It is so good to be back with you this morning. I don't know that I turned this on. It is on. Good. Didn't want Don to have to run up and grab me again like he did that one week. I missed being here with you last week. Uh, we were in Atlanta and uh, so good. I thought about you and I know Ed was here and did a good job, but I'm thankful uh, to be back with you. There are visitors here today. You're in a good place if you're visiting and hope that you'll be back at any opportunity that you have. We need to be mindful that there are members of this church family who are traveling on what is a holiday weekend, and so we need to be prayerful uh, about everyone who's on the road and who's traveling, uh, but thankful that you're here uh, today. If you want to keep your Bible open to 1 Timothy 4, we'll be back there uh, in a few moments. That'll kind of be a main text for us this morning, although we'll notice uh, several things. And as Bradley mentioned, we're going to talk about examples and uh, the kind of example that we are as Christians, and begin by defining that word, and it's not a word that's hard to define, and none of us, I don't think, would disagree with a definition of the word, but Webster defines example is one who serves as a pattern to be imitated or not to be imitated. And we do life in such a way where we use examples just about every day. We use examples to make sure that we can get the job done the right way. I remember all the way back in, in my first, one of my first jobs in high school, I worked in a small department store as a stock boy. And so one of my roles was to make sure that we put things together that needed to be out on the floor. And I learned very early on, uh, and especially with a lot of things that were manufactured outside of the country, sometimes the directions were really good. And sometimes you could tell when they wrote the directions, they didn't have a clue. And so uh, the example was everything. If I had one that was already assembled, that really helped me. And today, YouTube. Anybody use YouTube when you need to get something done? It has revolutionized car repair. It has is, it is made home improvement and home renovation much easier because if there's a project, the first place I'm going is to YouTube. And I'm going to see if there's somebody that's done it before, and I'm going to learn from what they've done. The other thing that examples do for us they help us avoid trouble. Uh, my freshman year of high school, I learned from example, I didn't want to repeat the mistakes of others. Uh, I ended up in a study hall last hour of the day. And I remember day one of study hall like it was yesterday because a big lunchroom full of people. We had a graduating class of about 300, so you got a large room of people. And two of our coaches were running study hall. And I remember that day they came in and they hopped up on one of the lunchroom tables. And they're walking around on the lunchroom table and they're towering over everybody. And they said, this is study hall. You can study if you want to. We really don't care whether or not you study in here. In fact, we really don't even care what you do. There's only one thing you will not do in our study hall. You will not talk. And see, this was 1980 or so. This was in a day when some of us might try to make the case that things maybe were kind of better because they said, you're not going to talk. And if we catch you talking, we're not going to have a discussion about why you were talking. We're going to see that you were talking and we're taking you out in the hall and you're going to get licks. See, this was the day when you didn't have to do paperwork and you didn't have to go to the office and every teacher had a paddle that they were proud of. It had been handcrafted just for them and they were proud of these things and they kept it with them. And so every day they'd get someone. 
someone would be pulled out in the hall just outside the lunchroom door and you could hear it and it sounded painful. And so I could learn. I didn't want to talk in there. I didn't have a talking problem because I was learning from the example of others. Sometimes when people have been very successful, they, they choose to write some things down. They choose to tell their story. And sometimes those of us who like to read, we'll pick up a book about somebody who's been successful because as we try to get better, we think, well, by reading that story, maybe we'll pick something up from that person's example that will help us get closer to where we want to be. I believe we serve a God who's always understood the value of an example. Uh, the Bible uh, as our pattern, as our roadmap, roadmap, as our framework, over and over in Scripture, God, and, and we'll see this as we study the story, as we go through, we're going to see examples, we're going to see people. And God will use folks, and, and, and He'll use stories, and he'll, he'll paint pictures, and some of them He'll say, look, look at what these folks did, and, and you want to try to imitate that. And then there are other folks where he'll, he'll remind us of their lives, and He'll say, look at what they've done, and, and you don't want to go that direction. You think about Cain, because the New Testament, it'll, the New Testament will look back at folks in the Old Testament, Cain. 1 John chapter 3, uh, the idea is, I want you to be a people who love each other, and then 1 John 3 says, remember Cain, don't be like that guy. We studied a few weeks ago about Esau, and, and the idea that over one seemingly insignificant meal, he completely changed his future in a negative way. And so in Hebrews 12, the Bible says, hey, you got to think long term. Don't be like Esau. And then sometimes it's a city. Sometimes it's a group of people. Sodom and Gomorrah are held up as an example. Uh, Jude chapter 7 just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing punishment of eternal fire. And then Israel, God's chosen people. One of the stories that you see weaved through the Old Testament is them being in and out of favor with God. When they followed God, when they put God first, God blessed them. And then they would turn their back and they would ignore God. And so you see this in and out of favor with God. And we learn from their example. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 calls us to that. And then there's Jesus. Jesus who is the story of Scripture. And you think about His example. And if God had chosen to to include no other example, His alone would be sufficient. If the Bible never shared the mistakes of people, if it never shared the stories of men like Paul who changed their lives and got it right, if it never shared anything else, that story of Jesus is the example. In fact, in John chapter 13, he's about ready to be done with his ministry and he's with the inner circle and he's tried to illustrate for them the idea of being a servant like we sang about this morning. And so after that in John 13, 15, Jesus says, For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. I want you to learn from me, he's saying. 
And so I believe you would agree with me this morning that examples are powerful. We use them in every aspect of life, not just, in our, not just as a part of being a Christian, but we use examples constantly. Some are positive, others are not positive. The examples in Scripture are designed to bless us and to help us have the, the kind of walk with God that He wants us to have. But I want to turn to the mirror. We talk a lot about it, the idea that we want to be mirror people, not window people. We want to be the kind of people who use God's Word as a mirror to, to help us understand what our lives need to be. And so when we go to the mirror, the question is, what about my example? What about my influence? You know, what kind of effect is the way that I'm choosing to live my life, what kind of effect is the way I'm choosing to live my life having on other people? And see, we don't like that discussion because we don't like to think in terms of the fact that the choices we make might affect the choices that someone else will make. But it's true that that's how things are. And so if... Maybe one of the, maybe in some way in Scripture had my life been included or had your life been included in a very specific way, you know, what might be recorded about my life or what might be recorded about yours and what would be said about your story and what would be said about mine and what would the end of the, the, the story be for me and what would it be for you? What would the lesson be to the person who might come along and read about the choices that we've made? You know, would the instruction be, this is the life Philip has chosen, follow that. Or would the, the instruction be, this is the life that Philip has lived, be sure you don't go down the road that he went down. And because the Bible sometimes looks at churches and it looks at groups, we could ask the same sort of question about the, the, the family that is God's people here at Savannah. If this congregation were mentioned in Scripture, what kind of example would be described for those who might study it later on? And so in our brief time, in these few minutes we have this morning, I want us to think about how powerful our example and our influence can be. See, I want us to think about the idea this morning that our example is so powerful that, that my example and your example, the example that we place in front of folks can lead people to salvation. And sometimes we don't, again, like to acknowledge how important these kinds of things can be. We, we like to try to tell ourselves, well, my actions only affect me. Why would anyone want to look at my life? Why would anybody be noticing the way I've lived and, and make a choice about their life based on mine? Think about it. How many people, how many unchurched people, end up surrendering their lives to Christ, end up obeying the Gospel simply because they picked up a Bible on their own and began reading it. Now the Bible will work in that way. All I'm trying to say is that's typically not the way it happens. Typically there's somebody influential in a person's life, somebody who's living for Christ, somebody who's trying to point the way, somebody who's having some influence, who, who gets that person interested in a, a relationship with, with God and interested in understanding what God wants and understanding a, a, a desire to know what God has done. And so our influence is powerful. 
You know, maybe for you it was a parent. Maybe for you it was your spouse. Maybe it was a friend who cared enough about you to, to show a spiritual interest in your life. Maybe it was somebody who's been a preacher in your life. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a co-worker. But when we start thinking about example and influence, those relationships around us are extremely uh, important. And we've got to remember, and we know this, but we've got to be reminded of it from time to time, I must remember that my actions tend to be more powerful than what I say. And Paul's understanding this. Ben read from 1 Timothy chapter 4. And as you read through this, that's one of the things that's being emphasized. Timothy, this, this ministry of yours, there, there's a lot to it. Now, my fear is... Maybe some of us will kind of write this passage off or, or kind of check out mentally on it for maybe one of two reasons. He begins by saying, let no one look down on your youthfulness, despise your youth, your translation may say. And so for some of us who don't regard ourselves as being young anymore, we may say, well, he's writing to a young guy, that's not to me, and so maybe we check out mentally here. Or... We understand that young Timothy is a, a minister of the gospel. He's a preacher. He is devoting his life to leading God's people. And so, I'm not a minister. I'm not a preacher. And so, this is to a preacher. And so, because I'm not that, I'm going to check out mentally. This isn't for me. I want to challenge all of us to see this instruction as applying to us. No matter what we do, no matter what our occupation, no matter what our age, because it's about the power of an example. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, yes, what you say, conduct, and notice all this stuff about the way you live your life, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Verse 15. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. seems to be the idea from Paul to the young minister Timothy here that when it comes to living the life, when it comes to thinking about the example that we're placing in front of other people, it may not be easy. It may be one of those things where it's painful at times to think in terms of I'm, I'm living my life for God, yes, but I'm also living a life that other people may be looking at and I'm living a life where my progress needs to be evidence to some folks. If we're parents... Does our progress and our relationship with God need to, be a, need to be evident to anybody? I hope we believe that it needs to be evident to our children. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Again, this idea that it, it, it may not always be easy to, to, to live this out. Persevere in these things for as you do this, you'll ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. 
you think about our circles of influence, and there are some folks who we really want to make sure they see positive, positive living within us. People who we want to see that they, we want them to see that we're making progress because maybe we're trying to lead them toward heaven. And so, for as you do this, you'll ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Uh, Peter understood the value. He understood the importance. Some of you are living this out right now. Remember 1 Peter chapter 3. We won't spend a lot of time here. But talking about uh, a word to women who are married, women who are Christians, women though who have husbands who are not Christians. And Peter says this, In the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the Word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Again, we've got ladies who are living this out, who are trying to live this out. And what Peter's saying is there's, there's, there's something very powerful in the way you choose to be uh, in submission. And there's something very powerful in the way that you choose to live for God. And, and it may not be, it's not the idea that you have to get in front of your husband and preach a sermon out loud. It's the idea that you get in front of your God and you live a life in front of your God that shouts at your husband louder than any sermon could. He says some guys are going to be one through the example of those wives. And see, good news gets around. It, it doesn't always get around at the pace that we'd like it to, but, but good news does get around. When we're living the right way, that word gets around to people, and that's what God wants. People are watching. And when our example is what it needs to be, word about our good conduct, they, they, they get word about that. Uh, turn back with me, if you would, to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Very familiar words from the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus talks about word getting round, and He reminds the, the people listening to Him on that day that the reason we want to have that kind of life and the reason we want to have that kind of example, it's not about us. It's about making God look good. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. In other words, like we just sang, you, you don't light a lamp and cover it up. You want that light to shine. But notice what he says about that shining light. He says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and tell you how good you are. doesn't say that, does it? that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. We want to have a great example and we want word about that to get around. Not, not so that people will heap praise on us, but that, they, that they'll heap praise on God. To a group of Christians in Philippians chapter 1, Paul wrote this in, in, in chapter 1, verse 27 of Philippians. He said, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. That first phrase, that's a life goal. Only conduct yourselves worthy or in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
few weeks ago out of 3 John, we talked about Gaius, and we talked about the idea that as John writes this letter to Gaius, he talks about the idea that Gaius is living this life where his walk with God is evident, and, and word about his walk with God is coming back to John through other Christians. Examples powerful. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, as the, the qualifications for shepherds are, are placed before us, one of the qualifications from verse 7 says this, And he, talking about the man who would serve as a shepherd of God's people, he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he'll not fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. And one of the things, I, another fear that I have, sometimes we read those qualifications and I'm not an elder, I'm not a shepherd, I'm not going to be one anytime soon and so that's for them, it's not for me. But see, those qualifications in almost every case, those are uh, the things that all of us ought to be thinking about. All of us should want to have that kind of reputation with people in the community that's, that's positive. The idea for a shepherd is that the track record has already been established. And then again, back in our main text this morning in 1 Timothy 4, take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress will be evident to all. And so our example can help lead people to salvation. But see, the other side of the coin, and we wouldn't be doing justice to a full look at, at our example without thinking about it. See, our example likewise can lead people toward destruction. See, if my example, I'm calling myself a Christian, but if I'm not really serious about a walk with God, if I'm not really serious about a relationship with Him, my example, the life that I live, might drive somebody away. It might keep somebody from wanting to have a relationship with God. It's one of the reasons that a hypocrisy is so devastating to the church's ability to move forward. And, and we understand it. Most of us, if you're a parent in here, if you've been a parent for any length of time at all, almost all of us have probably had our children call us out on something at some point where we've talked about a certain way we ought to act, we've talked about a certain way we want to see our kids behaving, and then they call us out because they don't see us living out what we've just called them to. And there's nothing we can do in those cases except apologize and beg forgiveness. I've got an old Bible in my office, and it's one that I carry into chapel with me at school quite frequently. And there are a lot of papers and notes I've taken and masked in there, but there's one on a sticky note right in the front of that Bible. And Lonnie Jones was on campus years ago, and he was talking about uh, example and those kinds of things. And his quote that day as he talked about predictors of trouble for young people, he said the number one predictable of, predictor of trouble ahead for a young person is this. Do your parents profess things in public that they do not practice in private? And that's in my Bible forever, or as long as I have that Bible, because it's just that powerful. Jesus gave a strong warning in Matthew chapter 18, the first six verses, and these words may be very familiar to you, but Jesus talked about the idea that you don't want to be that person that, that stands in the way of somebody else getting it right. Verse 1 says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
And he called a child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. And see, we could spend a long time talking about what it means to be converted and to be more childlike, but that's not where we want to focus right now. Notice what he goes on to say. Whoever then humbles himself as this child... He's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Interesting things here. Now Jesus doesn't say that the the person who ends up stumbling, the person who ends up having a problem because of something I did. Jesus doesn't say that person's not going to be accountable because this, this verse isn't just about children, and I hope you understand that. He doesn't hold the person who stumbles innocent, but he says, You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that woman that causes someone to stumble. And see, in the same way that good news eventually gets around, bad news gets around at lightning fast pace. You understand that. There's just something about bad news. If it bleeds, it leads. That's what the news network says. And so if there's something bad going on, it really gets around quickly. If you follow the news at all, You're probably familiar with the Ashley Madison data breach, the data hack. Some hackers get into Ashley Madison's website, their their, their database, and they are a, this was a dating website for people who were choosing to have an affair. And so hackers get the database, they threaten Ashley Madison, Ashley Madison doesn't pay them off, so the hackers release the data. And there's this thing with people where I was talking to somebody just recently. You could go to the database and you could go to your city on the database and you could start looking for names you might recognize from the database. And people were anxious to do that. One guy, they said, he'd printed out his part for his town. He'd brought the list to work with him. There's something about bad news. People love bad news. This scandal, and any time we're involved in things that, that, that are not good examples, I think of 1 Timothy chapter 5, this same letter to Timothy, verse 24, the sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Also, or likewise also, deeds that are good are quite evident. And those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. And see, when we start thinking about an example that isn't what God wants, this is the part of the the, the study, this is the concept that we really, really don't like because there is this aspect of us being human where we want to be able to live our lives and we want to be able to do our thing and we want to be able to live our lives in the way that we want to live them and not think that anybody else is going to be affected. I'll make my choices and my choice over here, it it shouldn't cause somebody else to go astray. It ought not cause somebody else to make a bad decision because my business business is my business. And what God wants us to understand is that our business isn't just our business because our business has a lot of effect on other people. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 
first couple of verses, it's Corinth had all kinds of problems, and anytime we're having some trouble, I'm always thankful for the example of Corinth because God hadn't given up on Corinth. These are still Christians. These are still people who are trying to get it right, or, or hopefully are going to get it right at some point. But the first couple of verses of verse of chapter five, it's actually reported there's immorality among you, an immorality of such kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. And he says, you become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. In other words, yeah, there's a bad example by the guy who's in sin. But Paul's also saying the church as a whole is a bad example because they haven't tried to make it right. They're not even sad about what's going on. So word had gotten around about what's going on in the church at Corinth. And if you imagine being a Christian in Corinth who maybe is trying to evangelize, you're a member of that church, and maybe you're out in Corinth and you're trying to talk to somebody about Jesus, and you mention Jesus to them, and you mention the way, and you mention this, this idea that we're trying to follow God, and that person says, but... Aren't you that church over there where the guy's got his dad's wife? And Are you sure that's where you go? Are you sure you're serious about... See, the reputation, the bad example, it can have a huge impact for bad. And so as we finish this morning, very briefly, I want us to self-examine again, back to the mirror. Thinking about our example, the way we're living, and, and what people may be seeing in our lives. Question number one for you this morning as we finish up. Am I allowing the examples God has provided to me in Scripture, am I allowing those examples to change me for the better? It's sad that somebody in Scripture made decisions that may have separated them from God forever, but the thing that really makes something like that sad is if I can't learn the lesson from them and change my life in a positive way because of it. So am I allowing the examples that God has provided me to change my life for the better? What is this narrative? If I'm reading about something that went on, what is this teaching about me about what God wants? What is this teaching me about who God is? How will what I've studied change me for the better? Scrolling the other day and I saw this quote. It said, The mark of an effective church is not how many people come to church, but how many people live differently as a result of having been there. And as we find our place in God's story, our relationship with Him ought to get better every time we open His Word. Question number two. Who is learning from my example today? And you can probably name some of the people who are looking up to you. You may have some very close friends who look at your example. If we're parents, obviously we believe that our children are, are looking at our example. Some other family members. Maybe you're teaching a class here where you're working with some younger folks here in the, in the congregation. And you ought to have an expectation that those younger folks are looking at the example that you're, that you're, that you're providing. I was listening to a chapel speech that Randy Harris did a while back. He's on a college campus. He's talking to young people and he's talking about Jesus and he's talking about the influence that Jesus had with the Twelve. And he talked about the idea that part of the reason that this, there was such great influence there is he's spending so much time with those Twelve guys. And so after talking about that and fleshing that out, then he said, or he asked the question, those people in that audience that day, he said, you know, who are your Twelve? 
And, and maybe we never stop to think about, you know, which people in this life, which people in my life do I have the most influence with? Because every one of us, it doesn't matter whether you're in the youth group, it doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian for 60 years and you're starting to think about you know, that tent and that heavenly tent and, and heading on home to heaven, it doesn't matter where you are in the journey, everyone in this room is influencing someone. But you know what the scary part is? Because when you're around the people that you know look up to you, it's easier to get it right with them. The scary part is... Who are the people you can't name? Who are the people that might be looking at your example? Who are the people that looking at my example that I don't even know they're looking at me? What about the person who they see me at a weak moment, they see me drop my guard, they see me give in, they see me make a bad decision, and they make a bad decision because of what they saw in me and I never even knew they were looking. It's an inconvenient truth, but it is truth. As we make decisions, we've got to consider the impact that any given decision may have on others. Because we're called to be examples. We're called to be the kind of people who make God look good all the time. Question number three. Is my example one to be imitated? Or is it one to be avoided? And I get it. There, there is, we're, we're to be humble and we're to be realistic. And, and very few of us would want to go 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, where Paul writes by inspiration, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. We, that almost sounds arrogant to us. We don't want to raise our hand and say, yeah, follow me because I'm following Him because we understand we have those weak moments. And we have those moments where we hope nobody saw the where we got mad or we did this or we did that. And... But is our example one that people can follow? Because the thought of standing before God and answering questions about someone who maybe fell into sin, and that ought to scare us. Now the other side of that is we may stand uh, in front of God and, and, and Him talk to us about some people who are in heaven because of what they saw in the way we were living. Bradley's going to lead us in the song that he selected today. And as you self-examine, you know, that may be the response today. I'm, I'm going to work on my example and I'm going to think in terms of understanding who are those people that, that I'm having an influence over and how can my example be better than ever. Maybe you're here today though and maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you've not begun to live for Him. I would challenge you today to follow the example of so many others in this room who obeyed the Gospel. I challenge you to do that this morning, to be baptized into Christ today. Set an example of obedience for other people to follow. You may be a parent in the room this morning with children in the room this morning, and maybe your children are looking at you, and maybe they're wondering why you've never surrendered your life to Christ. They know you're not a Christian. What kind of example are you going to set for them today? Maybe you're that spouse who is in here today, and, and maybe you're not ready for that yet. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you realize this is pretty serious. If you've got questions about what God wants, get with one of us. Let's sit down and study the Bible. Let's open that up. But you may be with a spouse today who's praying about the day when you're going to obey the Gospel. Maybe your answer today is the idea, hey, 
My example really hasn't been what it needs to be, but I'm going to make that right. And my example in public hasn't always been what it needs to be, but I want to make that right. And I want my church family to know that, that I'm not hypocritical, I'm just human. And so if there's something amiss in your life today where you want your church family praying for you, our shepherds are ready to pray with you and for you today. If you need to respond, let that be known while we stand and while we sing. Amen.